and welcome to Cinema Sunday. I am your host, Candy Thomas, and each week I'm going to watch one of the 94 movies that have won an Oscar for Best Picture and let you know exactly what I think about them. I'm going to follow the same rules every week, the same basic details of the movie, things like who's in it, what's it about, and I'm going to answer three really important questions. One, does it stand the test of time? Two, is it Oscar worthy? And three, should you watch it? Or is this just another terrible joke Hollywood played upon us? Just a friendly warning, along with my honest and candid assessment of these movies, you're also going to get some hot takes on many current events mixed with a heaping dose of adult language. Please be sure you listen with caution. Before we begin, I'd like to thank the good folks at Wikipedia and IMDb, as they are great sources of information for all things movie and Oscar related. And with that, let's take it away. This week's Oscar-winning film is Million Dollar Baby. It was released December 15th of 2004. It's directed by Clint Eastwood. He also stars in the movie. He acts as the producer, and interestingly enough, he wrote all the music. No one ever realized he had that real Hans Zimmer envy going on. It does star, like I said, Clint Eastwood, Hilary Swank, and Morgan Freeman. There are also supporting players like Mike Coulter, Jay Baruchel, Anthony Mackie, Michael Pena, Margot Martindale. I'll talk about them more later. It was nominated for a total of seven Oscars, and it won four. So it won for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, and Best Supporting Actor. If you want to watch it, it can be found on Amazon or Apple TV streaming services. But even if you are a subscriber, they do charge you $3.99. So what is it about? Here's how Wikipedia describes it, a very simple summary. The film follows Maggie Fitzgerald, an underdog amateur boxer who is helped by an underappreciated boxing trainer to achieve her dream of becoming a professional. That's a good summary. It's a boxing movie. It's based on stories from a book titled Rope Burns, Story from the Corner which was written by a fight manager and cut man, Jerry Boyd, who wrote under the pen name of FX Tool. Maggie, played by Hilary Swink, has come to L.A. from the Ozarks. She's a long way from home and dirt poor. This is emphasized by scenes of her waiting tables and actually sneaking the uneaten portions of people's dinner after they've left. Literally, she's like, there's still meat on them bones, and she's like taking it home for her dinner. She puts any extra money she has into membership fees at a rundown boxing gym owned by Frankie Dunn, who is played by Eastwood. It's clear from the beginning that she's going to be a hard worker, dedicated, and certainly has the drive and stamina to become something. And she's literally scraping together coins to pay her membership at this gym. She really, really wants this. She captures the attention of Eddie Dupree, who's played by Morgan Freeman. He's an old friend of Frank's and he works at the gym, largely in kind of a manager slash janitorial capacity. Frank is the owner and Eddie does the day-to-day. Eddie is also the one who interacts with and befriends the boxers. So he's the good guy who builds relationships. 
Eddie is also the narrator of the story, which helps to fill in gaps for us. He helps us understand why Frank is the way Frank is. Eddie immediately sees something special in Maggie and encourages Frank to train her. But Frank repeatedly refuses to pay her any attention. I don't train girls, he growls at anyone who has the audacity to suggest he try and help her. Never mind that Maggie is already in her early 30s and considered much too old to be a beginner. He eventually changes his mind, largely because another boxer that he's been training essentially dumps him. Frank is slow to accept offers for him to fight in championship bouts, so the guy goes and signs with a successful manager who he knows can get his career off the ground. Frank is left with nothing. But I also think Maggie wears him down a little. She keeps showing up day after day, even though he's tried to tell her she'll never make it. She spends hours hitting the heavy bag. He can see her form is terrible, and if left to her own devices, she could end up hurting herself, or worse, give his gym a bad reputation. The last thing he needs is for this terrible boxer to go around town telling people she trains at his gym. They'll all think it's a terrible gym. I think it's a combination of sympathy and frustration that causes him to change his mind. But once he does, well, a star is born. Maggie begins to fight her way up through the amateur ranks. She is a beast in the ring, quickly knocking out all of her opponents. Every single fight is over in like less than two minutes, right? Um, It gets to the point where Frank must bribe other trainers to put their fighters in the ring with Maggie because no one wants to face her. As with all boxing movies, there is this obligatory training sequence where we watch her go from this hapless, somewhat uncoordinated beginner to an emerging champion. You see it in all the Rocky movies, where she's running on the beach, jumping rope, doing endless push-ups, working the speed bag. You see scenes from her fights where it's just knockout after knockout after knockout. And you see this incredible transformation. And it's accentuated by her wardrobe. Throughout the sequence, her clothes get smaller and smaller. And I don't mean that in like a sexualized way at all. But when she first joins the gym, she's poor and can't afford appropriate workout wear. She's wearing a dingy t-shirt and baggy sweats big enough to fit a 300-pound man. But at the end, when she's jumping rope in a pair of shorts and a jog bra, you see very clearly the work Hillary Swank put into this role. This gal understood the assignment, her shoulders, her back, her stomach. There isn't an inch of her body that isn't pure muscle. It is so incredibly inspiring. Of course, I'm watching this movie as I'm sitting on my couch with a hand digging deep into a bag of Cheetos. And for the record, not just a bag of Cheetos, the party size bag of Cheetos. But this isn't about me. Her success in the ring takes them to Europe where she continues her winning streak. Although she's facing tougher competition, she's still winning a lot and she's reaping the benefits. Once she starts making money, Maggie's focus is on helping her family. I'm not sure why, because as it turns out, they're a bunch of ungrateful assholes. But in fact, Maggie returns to the Ozark and buys her mama a house, which of course the mother is angry about because she worries that she'll no longer qualify for welfare payments. 
<laughs> she belittles Maggie, tells her the family is embarrassed by her, and all those folks back home are making fun of her. It's really sad. Maggie has worked so hard to improve her life, and she just wants to give them the help they need, but they just shit all over her. And this is where you start to see the relationship between Maggie and Frank really solidify. It's become more of a father-daughter connection. He's estranged from his daughter, and she clearly has a very crappy family, so they really don't have any other option but to bond with each other. And it's a good chemistry. It works really, really well for this film. Finally, Frank is willing to arrange a title fight and secures Maggie a $1 million match in Las Vegas against the WBA women's welterweight champion. This woman is known to be a dirty fighter. So unfortunately, it doesn't end well for Maggie. An illegal sucker punch ends up leaving Maggie paralyzed. It's now up to Frank to control Maggie's fate. He's determined to find the bright side to her being a ventilator-dependent quadriplegic. It becomes a question of morality. He's put in a very difficult position knowing this person he loves is telling him she doesn't want to live like this. I think you can imagine how it ends. Maggie herself says that she got everything out of her life that she wanted, but it doesn't make it any less sad. Question one, does Million Dollar Baby stand the test of time? Yes. The movie's not that old, and I can't imagine much has changed in the world of female boxing. There are some men at the gym who participate in some kind of obligatory teasing behavior, which is basically veiled sexual harassment, but Maggie manages to put them in their place and the behavior stops. One thing I would question is how on earth does this gym make any money? I could see if this was set in the 70s, but this is 21st century Los Angeles, perhaps one of the most expensive places to live. So I'm not sure how Frank and Eddie get by. How do they survive? They just hang out at the gym all day. There seems to be only a handful of members, and we learn that some of them aren't even paying dues. It's kind of like a serious version of Average Joe's Gym in the movie Dodgeball. It's like, how on earth do they keep the doors open? That part doesn't feel realistic to me, but whatever. The controversial theme of assisted death is still very prevalent today. I think this movie tackles it in a mature, thoughtful way. At the time of its release, disability rights activists protested the movie. They felt it unfairly, I guess, boosted the belief that once a person becomes paralyzed, their life isn't worth living anymore. And I think that's grossly overstating it. I think this is a case-by-case -case basis, right? Many people become disabled, yet find a way to live happy lives. They settle into their new normal and live the best life possible. In Maggie's situation, she had done exactly what she wanted to do in life, fulfilled her entire bucket list. She knew in her heart she couldn't be happy living this way and enlisted Frank's help to ease her pain. I think Frank's initial resistance, even to the point where he revisits his long-abandoned religious beliefs and seeks guidance from a priest, he often openly defied and badgered and belittled in earlier scenes of the movie. It demonstrates the appropriate sensitivity the film needs to exercise in that moment. This is really a difficult topic, but I honestly believe they handled it the best way possible. Question two, is it Oscar worthy? Well, this is a very well-crafted film and I love a good underdog story. The other best picture nominees that year were The Aviator, 
Finding Neverland, Ray, and Sideways. So to be very honest, in my opinion, I'm not entirely sure Million Dollar Baby is the best among them. I think I could very easily argue for any of those other films to win as well. I'm sure this was a tough choice for Academy voters. I can imagine their strong desire to recognize Eastwood for his devotion to this project. He stars in the movie. He's the director. He's the producer. And he wrote the damn music. He put his entire heart and soul into this. And he deserved to be rewarded. And Hilary Swank's commitment to the project, as well as this poignant, heartbreaking ending. I mean, most great sports movies end with the team raising their arms in victory. Hooray! We are the champions. But this one unexpectedly comes crashing down. While it's very worthy of Oscar contention, for me, this choice wasn't a slam dunk. This is one of those situations I mentioned in the trailer episode when I explained how the voting is done. Personally, I may have ranked Million Dollar Baby as my second or third choice among all of these, but still fully support the fact that it won the overall consensus vote, if that makes sense. Now, when it comes to Hilary Swank, hands down, no doubt about it, best actress and well-deserved. She put in the work and absolutely deserved to win. Five years earlier, she had won the Best Actress Award for her portrayal of Brandon Tina, a trans man in the 1999 film, Boys Don't Cry. There was a time 20 years ago where Hilary Swank seemed poised to become the next big thing. I think people were hoping she would go the path of, you know, Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock or Reese Witherspoon, easily getting $20 million paydays for everything she touched. And I don't know what happened. She accepted roles that didn't turn out as we'd all hoped and her light sort of faded out. She's one of those rare actresses that when she's cast in the exact right role, there is no one better. She knocks it out of the park. But put her in something that doesn't quite work, and it's a disaster. I'm sure she's not sad. She's one of a very, very, very small handful of actresses that have two Oscars on her bookshelf. So even if she never recaptures her 2004 magic, her bucket list is completed. Morgan Freeman won the award for Best Supporting Actor. I think this is a good performance. My only complaint is that I wish Eddie had had more screen time. I feel like this was a miss. An actor of his caliber could have contributed more to this film. Not to knock Freeman, but I don't think this was a particularly strong supporting actor year. I think maybe Thomas Hayden Church had a chance for his performance in Sideways, but nothing else really stands out to me. I feel like this was Freeman's award to lose. And once again, we have a movie with an impressive group of supporting actors. Although, to be honest, I think the movie would have been just fine without any of their characters. There are a number of scenes inside the gym, so there obviously has to be other boxers. They introduce this kind of motley crew of wannabes who add to the ambiance, but don't really do anything to move the story forward, at least not in my opinion. They're kind of non-entities. I'm talking about Danger, Sherelle, and Omar, who were played by Jay Baruchel, Anthony Mackie, and Michael Pena, respectively. The character Danger is mentally impaired, and Jay Baruchel performs this role really well. But I can't figure out why it's necessary to even have this guy in the movie at all. Seems like he's only there to serve as a, as a 
target for the other boxers. The guys who tease and bully Maggie basically spend every minute calling Danger a retard and eventually beat the shit out of him. It's terrible. But I do think it's fun to see how actors like Mackie and Pena can go from these small, somewhat inconsequential roles to being these big box office badasses in the Marvel Universe. A very impressive trajectory for both those gentlemen. I want to also give props to Margot Martindale, a consistently good character actress who plays Maggie's mom. Margot has kind of a natural charisma and she she easily lights up the screen and kind of everything she does. So it's a little hard to see her in a role where she's such an insufferable piece of shit. She doesn't have much screen time, but certainly makes the most of it. Question three, should you watch it? Yes. Even though I wouldn't say, oh my God, you have to go watch this movie. I wouldn't steer you away from it. There's a lot of value to it. It's, it's a good watch. The relationship between Frank and Maggie is unexpected, and it ends up being very comforting for both of them. The boxing scenes are very realistic, well edited, lots of good action. The technical precision is there. It doesn't matter if it's men or women doing the boxing. The point is, is that you see the sport being skillfully executed at a competitive level. So it's very believable. And who doesn't love a rags to riches story, particularly when the battle is so hard fought? There is not a single moment where Maggie gets lucky or has any advantage. She works her ass off and opens every door for herself. It doesn't matter if you like boxing or not. At its core, this movie is about triumph. It's about hard work and dedication. It's about carving your own path and not stopping until you achieve what you set out to achieve. And that's Million Dollar Baby. Okay, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. This has been episode three of Cinema Sunday. I'll be back next week to discuss another Oscar winning film. Please tell your friends about this podcast. If you feel so inclined, you can like, follow, subscribe, and even post a review. If you have a comment, maybe I got some facts wrong, or you just want to tell me I have shit taste, you can email cinemasunday at yahoo.com. The music for Cinema Sunday is appropriately titled So Happy. It is by Scott Holmes Music. I got it off of freemusicarchives.org. And the work is licensed under Creative Commons by NC 4.0. Links are provided in the bio. And if you happen to visit the Free Music Archive, they do take donations. So please be generous. Thanks and see you next week.